Welcome to March 5 Music Podcast. My next guest, legendary producer, musician, engineer, will talk Sugar Hill Records and the music business. Give it up for Mr. Jonathan Williams. All right, I would like to welcome Mr. Jonathan Williams. How you doing, sir? Doing good, Ricardo. It's just a pleasure to talk to you. Oh, man, it's a pleasure to have you, man. Legendary uh, musician, engineer, you know. It's glad to have you in, man. Hey, and thanks to the, the wonderful the wonderful Clarence Alonzo Oliver, of course. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> He's Me and Clarence guy. go back so far, man. It's like uh, we go all the way back to high school. Wow, is that, I, didn't know, I didn't know it was that far back. Oh, yeah. We, we've been playing in, in high school bands. Uh, I mean, from Petersburg uh, to Peabody High School. Right. Uh, and we just played music, and we've been playing together for all those years. So it all started in Virginia, right? Yeah. Okay. Virginia, yes. Okay. What made you, um, how did you get into music? Like, what was it that sparked that that thing? It was that thing that got you to say, you know what? I think I'm going to play an instrument. Uh, you know, um, music instruments has always been a part of my family. Family. My father was an organist and singer. He played in the church, okay. and he had an organ in our house. And okay. I used to watch him play the organ, and I used to say, "No, that's that. I like that." So when he would finish, I would sit down and start playing what I heard him play. Okay. And he was like uh, amazed <laughs> that I could do that right. at my age. And he said, well, "How you know how to play?" I said, I "Watch what you play." <laughs> <laughs> And I, I didn't know it was something like um, different. Or I thought everybody could do it. If you saw somebody right. do something, right. I thought it was just a natural thing to do. Oh, yeah, you played it. Okay, I do the same thing. And it was very easy for me. And we always had instruments in our house. He was also the manager of a, a local band. Okay. And they used to rehearse at my house. Oh, wow. And we had a den, and we had all the equipment set up, a drum set, a bass guitar, bass amp guitar, uh keyboards right. was set up, microphones. It was all set up in my house. Oh wow. So you had that musical background. All right. That musical right. family. Yeah. I wow. Mean, I was I was like eleven, ten, eleven, something okay. like that. Wow. And, and you were able to play the organ at that early. Wow. That's pretty cool. It was just a natural thing for me. Right. I don't know. Some people just can do it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I can't I can't explain it. <laughs> but uh it was like a it was a joy, you know, to watch the musicians play. Sure. So after I watch stand in the door and watch them play, after they leave, I will go in and start playing on one of the instruments. Wow. I might play the drums, and then my brother will come in, and he might pick up the guitar. Okay. And then my other brother will come in, he'll pick up the bass. Right. And we'd be playing the instruments, <laughs> playing music. <laughs> and my father comes back home and said, what y'all doing? Well, he's just playing music, you know. Right. And we, I just picked them. And then one day I would play the bass. One day I would play the guitar. One day I would play the, the keyboards. Okay. That's so I was able to just pick up all those instruments uh, at an early age. Mm-hmm. That's pretty and, cool. Wow. Wow. Now you started the, out young. What, what really what really started me into wanting to be a musician was, okay. it was it was one event. I can maybe, maybe I can put it back to this event, but it might not be. Okay. Because it was just a natural thing for me. Right. My father was um, the manager in this band 
And, you know, in those days, a lot of the, the singers, the, the black entertainers, when they had a record out, they didn't have a band. Uh. So they would travel to different towns and cities and they get local musicians to back them up. Okay. But this this time, um, there's a singer by the name of, um, I still remember her name, Marva Whitney. You remember that name? I don't, no. Marva Whitney was a singer that had a song out. It was called... Um, it's your thing. It's your. It's it's my thing. I can't tell you. I know what you're talking. Yeah, soccer too. Yeah, now I know. Yep, exactly. Yep. Marvel Whitney. Okay. Well, she came to town one day, and my father's band was supposed to back her up at this venue that was in Petersburg, which was called at that time um, the um, it wasn't the Mouse Trap. It was before the Mouse Trap. It was, and it was it was owned by. Um, uh, a good friend of ours in Petersburg. Okay. So uh, when she came to the house to rehearse, mm-hmm. I saw them rehearsing. And I said, something clicked in me and said, that's what I really want to do. I want to be a musician and play music. Wow. And get into the entertainment. That's what I want. I don't want to work on on a milk truck. I don't want to work on a... <laughs> you said a milk truck. <laughs> no, I don't want to work on a... I watched you guys climbing the poles outside right. doing it. I said, I don't want to do that. Right. <laughs> so right. I said, what I want to do is make music. There you go. There you go. Because it came natural for me. So right. I think early age, 11 years old, 12, is when I decided that I was going to be a musician and devote myself to um, my career as being a musician. And so far, all these years, I consider myself lucky. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> you are. That I could work. Most of my life, right. the long, the more, more portion of my life is playing music and being in the music field. Wow. Then, then I did anything else. Because okay. I, I can, uh, sometimes I'd be telling people, I said, I feel fortunate because I never had to have a nine to five. Wow. Come to think of it. Right. No, I, I never worked nine to five. <laughs> so, I don't know what it's like. So that's a whole nother world. <laughs> Not too many people can say that. I know. I, I I didn't know that. That's a blessing in disguise. Wow. I, I really didn't know that. So it, it just came to me when I was talking to somebody one day. Right. I said, you know what? I never did, I never did work a nine to five. Hmm. Wow. I wonder, I wonder what that's years. like. Yeah. And what is that like? Right, right. <laughs> that's pretty cool, that's, though. Wow. That's a strange feeling. but um, Yeah. But how did you I, get into... So you have been. How did you get into... Um, music on at a full-time level like once you became you know you're older and you know you got into the record business how did that happen like our record business came along a a lot later because i had i had after i started playing music i had bands in in the local bands at home okay friends of mine and clarence that was playing in those bands yes and uh i also went on the road with a a group uh that was that you probably don't know either it's called Net Turner's Rebellion. I heard. I that heard was, that. That was one of the most. That was the first uh, professional group of guys that I played with that made records. Okay. And they were from Petersburg. Um, they were like the cream of the crop of musicians and singers from Petersburg. Joe Jefferson. You, I, I know you name. You know name Joe Jefferson. Yes. He's a writer that from Philadelphia that wrote a lot of songs for the Spinners. Right. Um, right. Exactly. Or uh, OJ's, he wrote songs, and he was part of that was, Philadelphia sound, right? Right, right. right. So, um, 
I got my first taste of professionalism playing with those guys. And I was like 15, 16 years old when I started playing with them. Wow. They were already in their 20s. Oh, wow. So I'm a I'm a little young guy with a big bass on my bass almost <laughs> big as me, and I'm playing on stage with these guys. Right, right. And they 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 like why are you like I play like that? Right. I don't know. I just play. You know? Yeah. I, I just play what I hear because I wasn't playing by music in those days. Okay. I was I was strictly playing by ear. Ah, I just see. My, just my raw talent, and then I guess. It was a lot of fun for me, right? But that was the first professional group. Later on, um, around 1973, around that time, mm-hmm. uh, a friend of ours, Walter Morris, was a guitar player. They used to, we knew him from playing uh, different bands in Richmond, and he knew us from playing different bands around locally in Petersburg and Richmond, Clarence and I. Okay. So Walter, Walter called me up and he said, uh, Hey, man, I need a bass player and a drummer uh, to come in. Play with me with the moments. Uh, y'all interested? Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, <laughs> of course. <laughs> but where you want to go? Where, right. Where, where we leaving? Right. <laughs> so he said, which which way? Which way do we go? Right. Oh yeah, I couldn't get ready fast enough. <laughs> wow. So he said, uh, "Well, I'm gonna rehearse you guys first, you know, for uh, about uh, two weeks." I said, two weeks? That's it's a long time." I'm thinking. Right. It's not gonna take me that long to learn that. <laughs> right. So we we rehearsed with Walter. Clarence and I went over to Richmond. He lived in Richmond, and we were in Petersburg. So we go to Walter's house, and we, we rehearse this, this show for them, learn the, the stuff they had on this cassette, the little cassette Walter playing. Man. He said, "You got the part? Yeah, we got the. We like we learned the whole show. Okay. Like like that was that wasn't hard for us. Come thinking back today, it was really crazy because here we are, some two little unknown guys, and we go flying up to." New Jersey, Eagle, New Jersey, <laughs> right, right. go to All Platinum Recording Company. It was right. a worldwide known name, All Platinum at that time. Sure. Playing with a, a name act, like the Moments. They had hit records out there. They had um, Love on Two-Way Street out and and, and a, a couple other songs. They, they were already famous. Wow. You know, t- to us, they were they were famous. They were big time. Sure, sure. But um, us being like, um, I think we were uh, 19, 18 by then. But uh, you know when you got that that young energy and drive in you, and that confidence. Right. So we flew up and we we went into the studio. We walk in. I got my bass. Clarence got his drumsticks. Yeah. Everybody in the company is there. Al Goodman is there. Sylvia Robinson there. Mr. Robinson is there. Joe Robinson. Right. Uh, uh, George Curry is there. All the big time producers there. All the musicians there. Tommy Keith, uh, Billy Jones, all those those guys that that cut those records that we heard. Sure. They they sitting around. Okay, we'll see what your little Virginia boys got. You <laughs> say okay, no, no problem. So Walter he uh, he he strikes it up, boom, pop, 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 and we do like four or five minutes of the of the, of the show. Al Goodman stops. He said, "Hold up, hold up, guys, hold up." Mm-hmm. He said, "Y'all guys, hired, man. Welcome to the family." Just like that. Just like that. Wow. Wow. We in the recording business. <laughs> <laughs> Just that, like that. That's incredible. So that was uh um let's see. Um all platinum records were they were located in I believe Inglewood, New Jersey. Is that right? Inglewood, New Jersey, yeah, West Street. Inglewood, and that New was Jersey. Sylvia Robinson and Joe Robinson who were married and they owned all platinum records. Correct, yeah. They own it, ran it. 
and they had their own publishing, their own, their own, they own their masters. They it was like everything. a mini. It's like a mini Motown. Exactly. They wow. he patented itself after Motown. Wow, really? Everything that Barry Gordy did, Mr. Robinson did. Wow. And he he actually had a a band like the um no uh, like uh out in, in Detroit they had uh <clears throat> what those guys called out there, I can't think of their name, the uh Funk Brothers. Okay. That's what they were called. The music, the rhythm section that cut all those songs. Right. It's one set of guys. Wow. James Jameson was playing bass. Uh, and, and, and a couple other guys, Eli, uh-huh. I can't remember all their names, but they were one group. And that's how they was able to get that sound. It was so consistent. Ah, okay. That's... So whenever you heard a Motown record, you knew it was from Motown. Right. Because of those musicians. That's why they call it the Motown sound. It has that sound. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was that those musicians created that sound. Okay. They had great songwriters also. Right. I, I can't take that from there. Great songwriters. Mm-hmm. They had. Um, those guys out there, Marvin Gaye and and, uh, and the rest of those and uh, Smokey Robinson and right. those guys were great songwriters, but that that band doesn't get the credit that it was due to them. Wow! Until later on, then people go back and say, "Who were those guys cutting that stuff?" Okay, that was the Funk Brothers. Well, uh-huh. in New Jersey, we were like a mirror image of them. Okay, so you were playing so, bass, Clarence was playing drums, right? Walter's playing guitar. Okay, that was like the nucleus. Then we would interchange different keyboards players mm-hmm. because to play different songs, different styles. Right. But the nucleus was the three of us, and we would either interchange us sometimes, so everything wouldn't sound like us. Okay, we had Billy Jones play guitar, Frankie Prescott would play bass. Wow, and and we would switch up, and we had Bernadette Randall playing keyboard. Or, okay, or different guys. So you worked with, uh, I know, I believe uh, on All Platinum, I believe Etta James was on All Platinum. Is that right? Yeah, well, yeah, she was on, Etta, Etta James was on All Platinum, but the, mm-hmm. it was a label that Joe picked up, Chessing Cadet. Okay, gotcha. He 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 bought the label, Chessing Cadet, and when he bought that, those artists came with over to us. Okay. So we were able, we had to cut with them. Because our thing was like, um, it was like a factory. I can't even imagine. Yeah, Clarence was telling me it's incredible. We wow. we came to work and we worked eight hours a day. We punched the clock. Boom, punch the clock. Right. Yeah, I'm in. Okay, eleven o'clock. We punched. Mm-hmm. And we would say, okay, who's coming in? Oh, okay, we got them coming. Okay, we got the moments coming in. Okay. Oh, it's Adam James today. Okay, whoever <laughs> will come in. <laughs> right. And, you got your music, and we we cut their music. It was like a factory. Wow. Wow. All we did was come in and sit down. I sit down with my bass. Right. Okay, what you got, Mr. Mr. Lowe? Our, our director, uh, conductor, Mr. Lowe, Sam Lowe, mm-hmm. senior. He would you know, run down the songs with us. Incredible. Said, okay, fellas. This is what we were doing right here. He cut it down. Okay, this, 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 this. Go here, go to the coda. You get to the coda, you go back to the first verse. And the first verse, did you jump to the end? Then you play the end it. So you would so cut like a song in one day? Oh, more than one song. Wow, really? One song. Oh, one song was like, "Hey, what's next?" <laughs> <laughs> no, it, we, might, like, we might have cut a half an album. He's like, like "Give me some more, man. Give me some more music." This was just one song taking three months yeah, to do a song. song. Oh, no, no, wow. one song. Wow, we would, we would cut and cut and cut, man. It was like we. We did so many songs and mm-hmm. so many things. Half of the things we did, we cut, didn't was never released. Wow. We got such a catalog that we played on, Clarence and I and Walter. 
How many songs do you think you guys played on? Just out of just off the top of your head, a rough uh, Well, well, Wikipedia claimed that we played on fifty projects, fifty okay. different projects. Wow! But I, I know it was much more than that. Okay. But that's as much as they can, you know, keep up with. Sure. So, but we cut a lot of stuff, and it was like, it was like nonstop. Incredible. All week we were there every day for eight hours. Then on the weekends we would go on the road and play backup with. The moments. Wow. Now, what and was also, it like? I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I don't cut you off, but also we were uh entity ourselves because we were the rim shots. Yes, I was going to ask you about that. Yeah. Tell me so about the rim, rim shots. shots. What was that like playing? You know, you guys were the rim shots on top of doing everything else that you were doing at um, yes. All Platinum. Yeah, on top of that, we were a group and ourselves, but that, that name was given to us by Mr. Robin. Okay. Because our group was so tight and right. we could I'm on, I don't want to be bragging but mm-hmm. we could play any style and we could cut anything that came across our path wow so Mr. Robinson from town to town he would come back with a record that uh you know, he was a publishing master so wow somebody had a record out and they didn't have um, enough records on the street right or they did they did didn't have the dis- uh, distribution mm-hmm. Mr. Robinson said hey cut this song right here I'm gonna put it out we said, what song is that? Well, oh, that's in the bottle. In the bottle. Okay, who's that? Gil Scott Heard? Yeah, okay. We, we can cut that, Mr. Robinson. No problem. He gave us a, a disc, a 45 disc. I remember the 45s. The- Don't you remember those 45s? <laughs> the yeah. 45s are cool, man. We put it on the turntable in the studio. Well, us sitting around listening to it. Mm-hmm. And I learned the bass part. I learned the drum part. Walter learned the guitar part. Keyboard player learned the keyboard part. Mm-hmm. And we would cut it right then. The same day that he bought it to us. Wow. And we got so good at doing that. Uh, we cut uh, Gary Tom's Empire of seven six five four three two one Glowy Whistle. Remember right. that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We cut that over the same way. And we sold, Mr. Robinson sold right. more records than Gary Tom's Empire did. Wow. He was a smart guy. Our right? version. Wow. Oh, he, this guy was a, a music genius. Wow. In, in his field. I don't think, Barry Gore didn't have nothing on Mr. Robinson, I'm telling you. Wow. Wow. <laughs> he he know how to do it, man. Yeah. And, and the combination between Mr. Robinson and Sylvie Robinson was a magic, magic made in, you know, it, it was like the perfect duo. Right. She had a the song. dynamic duo. She had a song out called um Um Pillow Talk. Right. Sylvia Robinson. I remember that was a really good song, Pillow Talk. Yeah. Well, it wasn't long after that song came out. That we would we join the whole family because oh. that song was really big at that time in the early seventies. Yes, yeah, I remember that song. Yeah, wow. Yeah, we were there when that song was like peaking on the charts. Okay, wow. Yeah, but I didn't play on that one. But but Walter Mars did play on that. Really, Walter is playing guitar on on that song, Pillow Talk. Okay, uh huh. And then it was soon after that when he came back to Virginia and brought us up. And that song was like really big, and then we started recording with uh, the whole everybody that was there at the moments, right? And everybody that Sylvia included. Now let's talk about the moments. Um, the moments originally they were named the moments, and obviously they, later on they turned into uh, they signed over to Ray Goodman and Brown. But right. what was that experience like playing with Ray Goodman and Brown? Or the moments from the recording standpoint, and maybe going live as well. Yeah, it, it was a. It's a really strange thing because you have to remember in those days, the musicians that played in the recording studios right. weren't on the road with the 
acts that went out. Okay. Not even the Motown acts. Though the band that the Funk Brothers, right? They didn't back up those groups on stage. Okay. They had different musicians. So when you heard some of those groups, they didn't sound like a record because <laughs> the uh, music wasn't the same. Like 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 the um like uh Teddy Pendergrass group uh Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes and those right, guys. Right. Those guys from Philadelphia didn't travel with Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes. Okay. So when they played those great songs, we will be on the side of the stage listening to hmm, you kind of is that the right beat, man? <laughs> So I said, I know they need the right baseball. I, I, I play baseball better than that. Right. I, I, and they weren't the same guys, but the difference with us, we were the same musicians that played in the studio. Uh, when, when they heard us play with you and uh, look at me, I'm in love, those things, we sound like the record because right. we were the same guys. Ah, uh, I see. I see. And those, the other musicians used to look at us and say, oh man, y'all guys, y'all guys are, y'all guys are artists too. Right. Your guy's famous too. We said, well, if we think about it, right. we yeah. are playing on the record. Yeah. And, and playing we live. Playing on the record. Because not like you said, not too many people were actually recording with the artist and then going out live, which was unheard very, of back then. Yeah. Very few. Very few. Wow. Wow. I think you had like the bar case that backed up the uh Otis Redding. Mm-hmm. They were they were good. I remember but I can't think of too many. I can't think of too many other. And we work gigs with them too. Also, we work gigs with the Parkays. Oh, okay. okay. And, and most of those groups from the seventies. But, but like you're saying, we had a much more um, specialized sound because we would play the song like the record, and then we could add to it. Right. So you heard "Look at Me, I'm in Love," or you heard us play "Girls." Right. But. It didn't sound like the record, but it sounded better than record because we do all the parts, original parts. Right, right. You so were we able to add lip. <laughs> you can add lip on top the original. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Which the other guys were just trying to get up to the record. Right. That's <laughs> <laughs> it. said, man. Wow. So you got you had the moments. You had Etta James. You had Sylvia Robinson. I believe Hank Ballard was on um, All Platinum. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah, we did. We come with Hank Ballard too. Yeah. Yeah. He was a great guy, man. Yeah. Wow. Oh, the, the moments those guys were, were such a pleasure to work with all three of them. Yes, they became like 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 older brothers to us. Okay. Al Goodman, Harry Ray, Billy Brown. To this day, yes, I still think of them as as family. Right, and they, they're very close to me. Like Billy is the only one that's alive now. Right, and he's like my brother. Wow, and he's that close. I can call him anytime, any day. Hey, baby, Billy, how you doing, man? Just checking up on you, man. You know, right. What's going on? You know, how you feeling? You know? right. so we're that kind of you know. Um, relationship, which a lot of the the bands didn't have with their singers, from what they told me. Oh, really? Some of the okay. guys that, oh yeah, some of the guys that played with some of the other singers. I don't want to call their names, but um, <laughs> uh, I ain't calling no names. But listen, this is was this is the real deal. So basically, yeah, you're saying it, like Motown, Motown uh, musicians, right? You figure the bassist, the keyboarders, all the musicians. They right. just played and they went home. They did not establish a relationship with, say, Marvin Gaye, the Jackson, Stevie Wonder, and so forth. Oh yeah, they might know him. Right. They were they they knew him because they you know had to had to develop the songs sure. because a lot of those songs, those parts, those musical parts, mm -hmm. were created by those musicians. What a lot of people don't know. Oh okay. I'll give you an example, like the song. Um, don't 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 don't
dun, dun, the beginning of the song. Right. You know what that song is? It's day through my window. I watch her as yes. she passes by. Yes. That guitar part on the front. Right. Was created by the guitar player because they said they need an intro. Unbelievable. He created it right on the spot. Wow. But it was things like that. That's the way we did things in at that time. Right. He didn't get credit for writing. That's incredible. He created, yeah. He created that 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 that's like a industry standard guitar part. I mean, like, who don't know that that guitar part too? Right. Uh, just my imagination. Right. Right. That's incredible. <laughs> What I want to ask had, you, go ahead. Go ahead. No, what we I was going to ask you, things. what I was going to ask you, like, I'll go. What I was going to ask you was, what do you think about the music business um, from what everything is now, which is digital, it's, it's the MacBook Pros, it's the, the drum machines and so forth? Mm-hmm. There are not too many live musicians that are recording. There are musicians out there, but they're what they call them uh, home studio musicians. Yeah. And how do you feel about that? And what's your take on the vision of the music business in today's world? Well, you know, things like music, music goes through different changes. Music stays the same, but it goes through changes. It's still creativity. So what, what that is, is I have to respect them because you have to have creativity first. Right. To come up with something, no matter you just playing a piano Already, you playing a drum machine, right? You gotta have some creativity and say what I'm gonna do. <laughs> that's right. That's now, right. That, like, like I can get that same drum machine to the, the person next door, and he, what is this? Uh, right. I don't. But a person that has creativity mm-hmm. can take that same drum machine and come up with a beat that can be like, uh, be amazing. Right. So it, it's like they're still musicians, but there's like a different type of creativity. Wild call. Okay. So I don't. I'm not down in any of the um, creativity that they have. And no, that's but, good. Uh, that's good. That's a good look. Yeah, I mean, you have to you have to give you know credit where credit is due. So Absolutely. I give them a lot of credit because they were able to. You know, you have to remember one thing too. The musician from the generation before uh, or after me, right? They didn't have the music. Uh, background that my generation had because after we left from high school, they took music out of the genre for uh, the curriculum. Ah, well, I was going to ask you about that. High school, out yeah. of schools. So you got a whole generation of kids that don't know anything about music. Wow. wow. They don't know about chords. Mm-hmm. They don't know a C chord from an F chord. Okay. They can't play a major scale or a minor scale. Right. So they had to create a different way to make music. See, they, they don't have the musical background like we had in the 60s and the 70s. Right. Where where all of the the, the guys were playing the Mixolydian scale. They were playing Ionic scale. They were playing the F minor ninth chords. And mm-hmm. this generation, you ask them, what, a, what key are you in? Uh, let me get mixing key and tell you. <laughs> so well, let me plug it. Let, look, <laughs> let me plug up my MacBook. <laughs> yeah, they got to get an app or something to tell you what key they in. I said, well, can't you do it with a piano? No, I can't do it with a piano. Wow. Wow. Wow, that's <laughs> They deep, don't know man. the key. They, yeah. They got, yeah. What's the note? I said, what note is this? They, 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 they don't know what the note is. Wow. Okay. They, they, they can't play a C scale. Right. Right. So you got, they had to learn a whole new way to create music. So we pretty much lost a generation of music from, like you said, from yes. the 60s and 70s. They pulled all the music uh 
programs out yeah. of the school system across the country. Yeah, which made it hard for that generation of kids right. to carry on the music because music is going to change regardless. Right. It's going to change whether they took it out of school or not. It was going to change. Mm-hmm. It was just the way that it changed. Right. Was it? That's all. That's all they had. Right. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So that's all they know. So what's good to them, that's what they hear, and that's all they know. I see. They, yeah, they they don't know about what we did. Right. When we was listening to uh, Jane Brown playing the beats and and listening to the chords of a Quincy Jones, right. uh, they don't they don't understand. Ron said they don't understand. They don't know it. Right. That's pretty it, sad though. Yeah, it's pretty sad. I mean, hopefully, one day it'll change. But now, what do you think about the publishing aspect? Um, years ago, most artists didn't own their publishing. Now yeah. you have the newer artists who are not signed and don't want to sign to a major label and they want to control everything. Well, that's that's a plus for the uh, songwriter and singer. Right. Because in the older days, uh, they had no knowledge of the music business. Like you, Like they say, this music business is two sides to the music. That's right. It's like it's two sides to a record. We got an A and B side. Right. It's two sides to music. So, and they don't know the business side. Right. All they know is how to make the music. Mm-hmm. So now, I mean, back then, all we knew was to make the music. The companies knew the business side. The company take all oh, they take care of all that the business. Yeah, right. I don't want to deal with that. I'm just an artist, or I'm just a musician. Right. So then you turn around. And the company is driving Mercedes and uh, <laughs> getting big houses and going on vacations. And right. just wait a minute. <laughs> hey, <laughs> how come he's in the Bahamas? Right. And I'm out here on, on Fifth Avenue trying to get a dollar. Right. There's something wrong with that picture there. Something wrong with that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, the music has changed so much. I mean, you think about, like you said, Motown. You think about um, all the major labels. I just put them all on the same bucket. They all were doing the same thing, and so many artists didn't get paid. Yeah, and didn't there own, was like didn't yeah. own their names, let alone the, the music. They didn't, they didn't even own their stage name. Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was like the norm in that day. Everybody was they, they accepted that as the norm because that, okay. that's the way they set it up. And if you knew the business, you set it up for your advantage. Exactly. And they took advantage of the artist, the songwriter. And the musician, they just took advantage of them because they didn't know. They wanted to be a star. They said, what, you want to be a star? Yeah, I can make you a star. Right. But in the fact that making you a star, they the one that's getting rich. That's right. And there's a price to becoming a star. <laughs> how they say it? Yeah. <laughs> Look, Jonathan, how they say it? Selling your soul to the devil. Because that's what you're doing. Yeah. What, what Jack McDuff said, the way he told us, I didn't hear it when he said it mm-hmm. until years later. He said, yeah, they, they gave you the the reward, uh, they gave you the A award, and they kept the reward. <laughs> I said, "What? Many clients are." He said, "What are you talking about, man?" <laughs> Later on, I said, "Man, Jack McDuff was right on it. Unbelievable. It made you a star, but they kept the money. Right, exactly. So you got all the accolades. You got the gold record, mm-hmm. and you got the this number one song, little the star on it." All that, and right. but they got their bank account right. over here. <laughs> so it's like that's just crazy. It's, I never, from a kid, I never understood the logic behind it because years ago, I wrote, a, I read a book 
Um, I think it was called The Business of Music or something. I can't remember the exact name. This that's, is many, many years book. ago. Yeah, okay. So book. I read that yeah. book. It was like a thousand pages. and Yeah, it's green. And, yep, a, yep. And it, it was yeah. talking about um, points. It spoke about publishing. Exactly. So yeah. I sat down because I grew up in Brooklyn and I was um, friends with Brass Instruction, BT Express, and Sky. So I said, hey, you know. Yeah, I know all that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I said, hey, you know, Randy Mullen, all those guys. I said, hey, man, you know, I just read this book. You know, how are you guys making out with your publishing? And they, they looked at me like I had two heads. <laughs> oh, they won't get no publishing. Right, right. They said, what are you talking about? I said, well, what about your points? They didn't no, understand they didn't point, point system. No, because, you know, I, I know the friend, um, the, the guy that, that, that uh, did that stuff for them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a good friend of mine. And. He did the uh, Jack Lane. Jack. Jack Lane. Jack Lane. A uh, Bob Lane. I read the last name. Jeff, Jeff Lane. There we go. Jeff, Jeff Lane. Lane. Yes. Yes. Jeff Lane. He, he's a good friend of mine. He lived right down the street. Okay. In Inglewood. Yeah. I see him from time to time. I mean, we used to go out and get you know lunch together. Right. But Jeff Lane was the one that produced those all three of those groups that you just named. Right. Well, I'm not. I don't think he produced Sky. He produced BT Express and Brass Destruction because because uh, yeah. What's his name? Because uh, uh, I'm trying to think. Um, Sky, they had Call Me. Um, right. A bunch of hit songs. But Randy Muller from Brass Instruction was producing Sky along with Solomon Roberts. I remember that. Okay. And I used to now, I mean, you know, I see him all the, the time. The, mm-hmm. the bass player for Sky, whose name was, name was Gerald, he okay. was playing bass with the moments right before I came. He was the one that left. They opened the slot up for me to come. I did not know that. Wow. Yeah. The bass player for Sky. Wow. Wow. That's how I got him because he left the moments. <laughs> he left the and, moments and went to Sky. <laughs> yeah. He wanted Incredible. To, they wanted to start their own group. Right, right. So they started the group Sky. Yeah, him, so they, Solomon they Roberts. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's a small yeah. world, right? Yeah. I mean, so uh, I'm lucky. The timing was perfect for us. Right, right. And the drummer left. Uh, um, Yogi Horton was the drummer. Wait, wait. Yogi for, Horton, for, did he play for Luther? Yeah. Got him. He left the record. He left the company and went with Luther. Wow. He started playing with Donna Ross. Right. He played with a couple of other big groups. And he just skyrocketed and went on and he played for years with with Luther. Right. So he left the recording company around the same time. So the bass player and the drummer was needed. Unbelievable. So here we come. (laughs) 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 We sit right in them seats. Like next, oh, next, yeah, yeah. Wow, wow! I didn't know you knew Yogi. Wow, wow! It's oh yeah, we knew Yogi. Well. It's a small Yogi's circle, man. One that, Yogi's one that picked me and clients up from the airport when we came into New Jersey. No kidding. Okay, yeah, he picked me and clients up, brought wow. us to the studio. Wow, wow! It's a small yeah. world. Wow, wow! Very real close with Yogi, man. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, I remember Jeff Lane. I spent a lot of time with um, Brass Instructions, oh, yeah. Sky, and BT Express back in back in the days. You know, we because we lived in the yeah. same neighborhood. You know, yeah. Jeff actually re, um, produced uh, one of the uh, projects that we did. It was called uh, "People of Pleasure." Okay, never say never. He produced that with us at All Platinum. I think it might have been one of the last things he did um, in the studios. Okay, he's still around though. Right, right. He, he lives right down in, right down in Inglewood. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Oh. I, I I call him. I haven't called him in a while. I gotta call him. Yeah. yeah. Gotta check up on your friends. Say, hey man, you what you up? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's always glad to hear from. That's him. good. That's good. Yeah, he's a good dude. From what I remember, I, I met him many many years ago. But he he was a really oh yeah, good he's guy. a great dude. Yeah. Man. 
Yeah. So he he worked with us as um, people of pleasure. We did a song uh, called "Never Say Never." That we got some chart action with that one and 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 um, Billboard. Oh, okay. We changed our name from the Rim Shots to People of Pleasure. Ah. When the moments changed their name from the moments to Ray Gubner Brown. Right. Because we all left the company at the same time. <laughs> I remember so um the, uh, the name had yeah. to stay with the company. Right, because they own the name. Exactly. And that's why Ray Gubman and Brown. Shots. Well, the moments had to change their name to Ray Gubman exactly. and Brown because they, they can't take their name. You, you know. Right. That so is we crazy. had to change our name. Wow. History we, we did that. A history from Jonathan Williams about publishing and about trademarking oh. you got to trademark oh. your stuff man yeah, wow you have to wow I, i'm telling these kids today mm-hmm. I, my these young kids that come in the studio that i'd be working with right i said who's track um i asked them well, where you get the music from right oh i, I downloaded off the line <laughs> download it i said that's yeah. that's not your music then no no i downloaded that's right I said, well you know when you put it out you're not gonna make no money don't you <laughs> <laughs> you don't own that. That's right. That's right. So, so I, I said, what you got to do? You got to make your own beats, man. See, they didn't have sampling back when, you know, you were growing up. You know, when I came up, you know, sampling started really in the 80s. So nobody was really right. sampling drum beats and, and keyboard. Oh, it no, was, no. it was the, listen, this, it was, you had to either had play to... or just walk away. That was it. Yeah, exactly. And we had a lot of walkaways. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Because the, the pressure was he so said great. You had a lot. Right, oh, right. Yeah, had a lot of them. Wow. Uh, what? Um, well, he's not really working out. So uh, mm-hmm. uh, pay him and uh, send him home, Joe. <laughs> and we call up call up the Clarence guy. That <laughs> 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 happens a lot. And Clarence had to come in and teach him, listen, this is how you play. This is how it works. No, he, he didn't teach him. No, he sent him home. <laughs> no, no. I mean, like, Clarence would just go in and knock it out, play it, yeah, and that would, and that's it. it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he come and knock it right out. Bang, wow. bang, bang. Wow. Wow. If, if you couldn't you know, produce your, your your instrument on that level, right. you didn't get no sessions. Okay. We had guys sitting in the lobby waiting to get sessions. Wow. And they couldn't get in. Now, was that a big building? Um, where I've, I've oh, never yeah. been to Sugar. It was a huge business. It was a two-story building, shaped okay. like an L. Okay. Yeah, had studios and offices on the first floor. We had studios and and more offices on the second floor. Wow. Now, do they still have that building? Is it still in existence? No, that that building burned down. Oh, okay. I think in two thousand, I was still working there when the building burned down. I had a studio in the back. Oh, wow. Okay. When, and we all, uh, George called George Kerr called me on the phone and said. Mm-hmm. Man, the studio's on fire, burning down. Wow. So what? <laughs> it's burning down. Can you imagine we, them? We drive down there. We're looking at, oh, man. Wow. The studio. And now that was, fire. that was oh, part of, um, that was part of all platinum. How about moving into Sugar Hill Records? How did they establish Sugar Hill Records from all platinum? How did that work? Well, Sugar Hill Records came around when, um, Mr. Robinson and, and um, Sylvia Robinson had problems with the, uh, uh, the funds. With his, something had to do with their taxes. Or I don't know too much about it, but right. they had to change the name. So it was the luck and the, the 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 talent that Sylvia came up with that got Rappers Delight done. That brought them back. Ah, from the Sugar Hill Gang. 
The Sugar Hill yeah. Gang, right? Yeah, that was in seventy nine. Changed the name, right? Seventy nine, eighty nine, seventy nine. Yeah, that's when they changed the name to Sugar Hill. Ah, I see. Okay. So that was a different company, so they couldn't go after them because this this is not all platinum anymore. Right. This right. is Sugar Hill. <laughs> Different entity, right? Right. You can hear that all platinum. Different we have LLC. All hits on platinum. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So unbelievable. Was, was so smart like that. He was like, yeah. Guy was a genius. Yes, he was to do what he did. Yeah, yeah. Now Sugar they Hill. Created, yeah. They created uh, two successful record companies. That, that's incredible. Back then, I don't know how many people you can say that did that. No, no, no somebody, especially somebody, back then. Yeah, you and uh, black owned. Right. Right. They created two of them, and both of them were successful. Wow. I don't know nobody else that can say that. They might have one. Right. You had Muscle Shoals, you had Philadelphia National, you had Motown. That's one record company. The mm. Robinson had all platinum, completely cut off. Sugar Hill start off. Right. Bang. Goes past all platinum. <laughs> <laughs> now, when they started Sugar Hill Records, the Sugar Hill Gang, for those who don't know, um, it was a song called Rapper's Delight, which was really like yeah. the, the first big rap um, record that people can relate to, if you will. Um, exactly. And that was underneath Sugar Hill Records. Now, the group um, Sugar Hill, the Sugar Hill Gang, there were three guys. And mm-hmm. like you said, Sylvia um, Robinson actually put that group together and she had a vision because nobody was really rapping back mm-hmm. then like that. And then no, once she put out the Sugar Hill Gang, I'm not sure what other um, groups were on that label. Oh, after the Sugar Hill Gang, they had uh, the first female rap group, which was a sequence. Okay. Cheryl Pearl and uh, the three girls, uh, Blondie. Mm-hmm. And uh, I should know all their names, but <laughs> but they started, she also started sequence group first female rap group and then she got the group um melly mel which right. is um grandmaster flashing and furious five right that's right they were and they were they, sugar hill right well they had a bunch of had spoon bread they had uh a couple other guys um they had a genre of a whole you know group of, of rap guys everybody was coming over there then yeah yeah I remember oh, Grandmaster rap. Flash and yeah, don't, what's that song? Don't push me because I'm close to the edge. Yeah, that's um, the message. So they own when I say they, meaning Sylvia Robinson and Joe Robinson, they own the publishing to all of Sugar Hill's music. Is that right? Correct. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. And more than own the publishing, Sylvia is far writer on most of the 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 biggest songs that they did. So they own. <laughs> so they own the publishing yeah. and part of the writing. Yeah. Wow. And the names as well, because they couldn't take that name and leave. And they own, yeah, they own the names. Yep. Unbelievable. Wow. She put um, the Sugar Hill Gang together piece by piece. Okay. She handpicked those guys. Yeah. How did that work? Because I, I heard stories about that. How, how did that work? She actually went uh, out and found I somebody at the, the pizza story. shop? Yeah, let's hear it, man. I want to hear it. The, well, <laughs> the true story is that Sylvia had no idea about putting a group together. Ah, okay. She 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 went to this party with her son Joey Robinson, right. who I've worked with for years. Okay. And it was a party that, that Joey took her to, and and she saw the guys, the DJs on stage, rapping mm-hmm. to this music. 
and it's it created so much energy. You could see the energy in the crowd. Right. It, it, she saw dollar bills. That's well, right. We saw energy. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't. Nobody else saw it. She saw the dollar bills. Just, just, you said. <laughs> <laughs> she saw everybody sitting there dancing and jumping up and down. And yeah. She's looking at the money. Wow. She wow. said, oh, this can make a lot of money. Yeah, she was about her business, though. If I can get this much energy on a record, right. I can make a lot of money. That's what she's thinking. Right. And that's what she said. If she could get it on a record, she can make a hit and she can make a lot of money. She was right. Wow. So the Sugar they Hill was Gang was the it. first label. I mean, the first uh, act on Sugar Hill Records. Yeah. Is that right? Okay. Yep. Sugar Hill. Yeah, Sugar Hill Gang. And they were picked, hand-picked by... Uh, first, Joey... Um, Joey... Somebody told Joey that was it was a guy that could rap over there at the pizza shop there in Inglewood. Crisp, crispy Crust Pizza. Okay. They're still there. Wow. And that guy happened to be Hank Jackson. Right. Big Fat Hank, yeah. Yeah, Big Fat Hank. So... Sylvia drives around in, in a limousine, her and Joey, and mm-hmm. they park in front of the, the pizza place. <laughs> this is a story right from Hank. Hank wow. told me this, because me and him were real close. Okay. Hank told me that they, Joey and them came in the store and said, can you come outside? Because my mommy want to hear you rap. So mm-hmm. Pink, Hank said, well, I, I'm working, man. He's tossing pizza. Right. I, I'm working, man. I can't go outside. Right? I'm, 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 he said, Joey said, come on, man. Just for two, three minutes. I just want to hear you rap. Right. So Hank comes out of the pizza place, you know, right from behind that the thing where he's the counter. The pizza. He, <laughs> yeah, he still got he still got the thing on. Oh, the, the, what is that? The uh, the bib. The, the apron. Apron. There we bib. go. Yeah. He got he still got the thing on. He goes. He's outside. Right. And he's in, and they put him in a car, and and Sylvia said she want to hear him rap. So Hank starts rapping. So Sylvia said, "Yeah, I like him. He we gonna he gonna pick him, Joey. Yeah, he's good. Okay. Wow. So Hank was the first one." Ah, okay, okay. He's the original one. He's a, he's the start of the Sugar Hill Gang. Hank okay. Jackson. A lot of people don't know that he okay. was number one choice. Wow. It was not like like a choice, or he had to like pick him from a group or anybody. Sylvia so said right away, "You are in the group." <laughs> so while while they was doing that, uh-huh. uh, these other guys walk down the street and they they see Hank rapping. And somebody else, um, Hank told me, he said that, this, so you see that guy there? That little guy there? He's a good rapper. You want a good rapper, you should get that guy right there. Okay. And that was Master G. Unbelievable. So he said, yeah, you can rap, man? He said, yeah, I rap. So he said, come on, let me hear you rap. <laughs> <laughs> so now, she got Master G. Right. And and then um, she said, she needed one more guy. <laughs> So um, I can't remember exactly how um, Mike, wasn't it Mike? Well, uh, he he did he she got some kind of way he got an audition. Okay. He said that uh, he could rap. He told you know, Mr. Robinson that he could rap. So she said, "Well, let me hear you rap then." And he rapped, and she liked him. Just like that. So she she said, "Okay, I, what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna marry you three guys together in right. one group." Okay. And we're going to make a record. Y'all come to the studio tomorrow. Just like that? Yeah. She already had the record cut. She already had the music cut. <laughs> she just needed somebody to rap on it. Wow. wow. So she picked those guys, and they came in the studio, and she said, okay, you go first, and then you come in, and then you come in. Right, right. And the tape is still rolling, then you go back to you. <laughs> 
So see, they put the tape on it, and that day you had a a, a two inch tape that ran for fifteen minutes mm-hmm. at that speed. Right. Fifteen minutes. That was analog. Hey, hey, John. Hey, John. That was analog, boys and girls. They don't know about analog. <laughs> no, they don't know about analog. It's an actual tape. That's right. <laughs> not a look. Not a not a not a CD. Not a no. not a mini. Not a micro no. disc. It was an actual tape. It's not recorded to a hard drive. That's right. That's right. Like that. This is going on a two inch tape. That's right. Wow. A big machine. This machine is like what it looks like a size of a refrigerator almost. Right. Wow. The two-inch machine. It's huge. Mm-hmm. Wow. And and she she put them in the studio and they just rap. Incredible. They start with one the mic. I am one the mic. They say hello. The black, the white, the white, whatever you said. Right. And then she handed off to Hank. If I Hank. Yeah. Hotel, motel, holiday. Oh, they if you think be my friend. <laughs> right. And Master G, yeah. my mellow. <laughs> what you gonna do? My mellow, what you gonna do? Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Wow. And it 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 was wasn't that much rehearsed, according to what Hank told me. Okay. They just rapped. And just like that. They kept rapping until the tape ran out. Wow. That's the only reason they stopped. The tape ran out. <laughs> and then the tape I said, okay. Because that was a long record back then. When that song came, I remember when that song it's it was is is that long because what was the it? tape stopped. It was seventy nine, I think, right? Yeah, when that song came out, that was uh, yeah. fifteen I mean, that minutes was, long. Because when you heard that back in the days, like um, WBLS in New York, yeah, Frankie Crock, when you Crockett heard, yeah, it. when you heard "Rappers Delight," mm-hmm. everybody stopped because you never heard that before. Like, what is that? Right. You, you know, you right. may have seen somebody rap in the streets, but to hear it on the radio was was unheard of. Right. Wow. So that was that was Sylvia and Joe Robinson. combination. The two of them. Right, accomplished that. I don't think you could have did it without the the two of them. Right, you right. needed both of them. Right, Sylvia was the genius in the studio, and Mr. Robinson was a genius in the office. I see. Because you can't get it. How you gonna get a fifteen minute record played on radio? <laughs> I never listen Hey Jonathan, I never heard. They usually it's like three minutes. If you got three and a half minutes, you are pushing it, and that was Stevie Wonder. That was Motown. Right. If you use three and a half right. minutes, you had to be a Motown. Yeah, but fifteen minutes. Now nah. here comes Mr. Robinson. And and Sylvie Robinson, I got this fifteen minute record is rap. Fifteen minutes. What? <laughs> Who can sponsor? They gonna make no money. Right, right. <laughs> but now, Joe did, Robinson got it played. Didn't they sample? Um, that music was sampled from, I believe it was Chic. Nah, Rogers. Yeah, right? the song. The song was Chic. Yeah, the song right. actually was a Chic song. Right. But it wasn't a sample because it wasn't sampling back there. Right. They played the parts. They actually paid musicians to play those parts. Okay. Okay. Wow. They the only thing that they used was really like a sample was they had a machine um, that could record of uh, a. Two three seconds of a and play it back. Right. It was it was a I can't think of the name of the machine. You talking about the Yakai? No, no, it was before that. Okay, it was before that. It was, it was a keyboard. Oh, oh could, the Fairlight. No, it wasn't Fairlight. It was something like the Fairlight. Okay, but you could record into it and it recorded like two or three seconds. Right, three or four seconds. And that was a big thing. That was a big deal. Yeah. Oh, that was huge. Four seconds is huge back then. Yeah. So they they. They got that string there, that little rap part. Right. And they used that. Oh. So okay. They played everything else 
you know, real bass player. I did not know they played that. Now that's news to me because I did not know they played that song live in the studio. I thought it was just like the record, the the actual record. So they actually recreated the record. Yeah, they recreated record. Wow, wow, that's impressive. That that was something that they had. We had the background of doing that before that in early early seventies. We used to play records over. Okay, remember I just told we did Gary Thomas Empire. We did. Sure. Uh, the other song, uh, uh, what's the name of the song? I can't think of the song. But we still, fifteen. I mean, but musicians playing live, fifteen minutes. That's just crazy, man. That's crazy. Wow. It was nothing. It was it was nothing. Yeah. Back then, right. It was, right. That was the way it was done. Right. Right. There was no other way, so you had to get it done. No. Yeah. Wow. And they they played the whole record. Okay. And the guys rapped it until the tape ran out. <laughs> now that was, yeah, that's, that's it. I didn't know that. <laughs> now that story, I did not know. That's that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's why the song is fifteen minutes because no more tape. <laughs> <laughs> it was more tape. Jonathan, you funny man. <laughs> he said that was that guy was kept playing. <laughs> they were kept rapping. Right, they had right. Raps like to go off. They, they, that they was just crazy. Wow! 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 So it was Melly Mel, Grandmaster Flash, um, the Sugar Hill Gang, and yeah. How did that? How did that whole world of Sugar Hill? Or is the Sugar Hill still still in existence? Well, those those songs that they that they made uh, would go on forever, would live forever. Right. The songs that they make, they're, they're such like like uh, iconic songs. Right. Absolutely. Like like, like White Lines. When right. they did White Lines, they were so much ahead of everybody. If you listen to the lyrics of White Lines, yes, White yes. Lines is an anti-drug song. People don't know that. Right. It's an anti-drug. It's telling you don't do it. If right. you listen to it, it said, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> don't do the drug. What is it? Don't push me because I'm drug. close to the edge. Yeah. I'm not trying to I'm lose trying. my head. Yeah. 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 I'm trying not, I'm trying not it's to It's like lose a juggle head. sometimes. It makes me wonder how yeah. I keep from going under. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got it. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. anti-drug. I mean, that's the those those songs are like timeless, right? And the, the music is like so well, you know, you know performed and um, sure. The way they constructed those songs, um, with um, they had a producer like name of Jigs was doing their production for them. Okay, great great producer Jigs and and Sylvia Robinson producing. She knew when it was right. And another yeah. thing. It wasn't a song that went out of that recording company that Sylvia didn't get her stamp on. Really? If it didn't, okay. if it didn't pass her stamp, the record didn't go out. Wow. wow. I don't care how much you liked it. Right. <laughs> I don't right. care how much Joe liked it. Right. Joe was saying, yeah, that's a hit, that's a hit, that's a hit. Next day he said, well, uh, Sylvia said, you got to go back in and, and do that. So what? <laughs> Sylvia said, <laughs> so, okay, Sylvia said, now we got to go. Right. Now, she did knew. she did she play any instruments? I'm not really sure. Yeah, she played guitar. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. She played guitar when she was out with Mickey and Sylvia. They both played guitars. Okay. Love wow. is strange. You know that one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's that's Sylvia Robinson. Okay. Wow. They they um they made their mark, man. Yeah. They, they definitely made their mark in the music business because I tell you, man, I, iconic, iconic. I'm telling you, those songs are going to be around many, many years. Yeah, forever. Yeah, that's what I'm saying about this generation. I don't know too many songs in this generation 
that's going to stand the test of time. Like, you know what? You know what? I think because um, the artists today, um, they have, they'll use one producer and one songwriter for 20 different artists. And everybody has the same exact sound. Most you, artists, you like back in the correct. days, yeah, because most, most artists back in the days, you know, from our world, you had, um, let's just say Quincy Jones, right? Quincy oh, yeah. Jones can do jazz, and he could do classic, he could do pop, he could do television, he could do movies, whatever it was, he was doing it. He had a, right. he had a specific sound, but the music was always different. And that's right. because a lot of kids don't understand musicianship. And I think, um, exactly. you know, with the music today, everything is, is fast, it's quick, it's hurry up. I, I, I've seen young people putting music out on YouTube, and it's not even copywritten. How are you doing that? Uh, that's the same thing I'm telling them. Yeah. Because they don't learn the other side of the music. Right, right, right. I asked them, I said, you, you got this out already? They said, yeah, I put it out on YouTube. I said, what, what kind of protection you got for yourself? Did, did right. you copyright it? Right. Oh, the <laughs> copyright office in Washington? I said, no. no. I said, why well, you signing with a, 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 a performance agency, be it my ASCAP? ASCAP right, CSAC? exactly. Sure, uh, sure. You're one of them. They said, no. Oh, and you know what's so funny? How you expect to make money? Right. And you know what's so funny, Jonathan? The killer is with CSAC, the three major ones that you just mentioned as far as um, uh, performing rights organizations. CSAC, you have to be invited to be a member of CSAC. Oh, really? I didn't know yes, that. Yes, yes. You have to, like, you have to get a special invitation. I mean, it's like Teddy Riley has one. There's a few, I mean, they don't have a lot of members, but the members that they do have, you have to have a special invite. So ASCAP and BMI are the other two big ones, but with along with um, the performing rights organization, you have to become a writer and a publisher. Most of the right. young kids, if they're connected to BMI ASCAP, they only know, okay, I'm going to be a writer, a writer, and I'm going right. to let you take my publishing. Right. Which, I'm trying to educate them now. Right, right, right. Wow. I see, because I was able to learn this stuff much later myself. Right. Because I've I've been working um, with publishing with with Joey Robinson Jr. Okay. Over over twelve years, with the sampling stuff was taken over and all the the mm-hmm. copyright infringements, and we had to I had to learn about publishing to work with him. Okay. He basically taught me. Oh, okay. About what the I didn't know how the publishing whole game works. He became like a, like a, another whiz at that. Wow. We call him the publishing whiz, Joey <laughs> Robinson Jr. Right. Right. Cause this guy, he he could um, I'll give you an example. One song that we did together, where I helped him do, I haven't do most of them, but one of them that you know is uh, the one I'm looking on on the wall in the studio now is, is Jay Z, yes. uh, Empire State of Mind. Yes, yes. Do you know what sample is in that song? What sample is that? I know, but you you can, you can tell everybody. Go ahead. Love, Love on, on a two way street. <laughs> Dun, 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 dun. That's right. That's right. So they they sent that sent that over to, to Joey for us to do the publishing on that. And Joey uh, worked out a deal where he actually owned more of the song than Jay Z. Wow. Wow. Who else could do that? That's a New York that's New York state of mind. Um <laughs> so so for yeah. those who don't know, because you know, Jonathan, you know, most people don't know this stuff behind the scenes. So no. there's a song called well, New York. Get it for me now. That, that's right. <laughs> 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 so there, so for everybody out there listening, right? 
There's a song called In New York State of Mind, which is written by, um, I forget the female, the young lady. She wrote the song. Um, and Jay-Z. Alicia Keys. Alicia Keys. And was another young lady in, in um, oh man, she lives in, not Englewood. She lives over there near the GW. But anyway, she, these two young ladies had this song. They brought it to Jay-Z. They said, Jay-Z, you know, somebody heard the song. That dude, Jay-Z, Jay-Z heard the song. He loved it. He dropped his, his rap on it. And then Alicia Keys wanted to be a part of the song. So she mm-hmm. sang the song, right? Yeah. And then what, what people didn't know was it's such a hit because the original hit was Love on a Two-Way Street by The Moments, which Sylvia Robinson was a co-writer. And correct me if I'm wrong. She was a co-writer yeah, of that song. And Sylvia Robinson, that's why when you mentioned, Jonathan, you mentioned um, Joey Robinson Jr., who grabbed mm-hmm. that publishing and you guys have a plaque, which is, I believe, was a platinum. Did it go, what, two, three times platinum? Yeah, it's platinum. Okay. So it went platinum, right? I'm and looking it's, at it on the wall. Wow. That's pretty cool. <laughs> so I, when I get up to the studio, I got to check it out. But um, a lot of people didn't, didn't really understand that that song came out many, many years ago by the moments. They thought it was yeah, a brand new song. No, it's not a brand new song. 1970, I think, Love on Tui Street came out. Wow. But this generation don't know about that. Right, right. So, but the, a hit song mm-hmm. is like you would. Every hit song has a, a like a personality in its own. Right. It's like a person. Right. So that a hit song is a hit song is always going to be a hit song. That's right. That's right. So that's what they do. This generation go back and they get something that's already successful, and they <laughs> grab the ingredients out of that and they put it into their song. Right. Like they take that ingredients and put it into their cake. So okay, now I got a nice cake because <laughs> I got this ingredients from here. Right, already successful. Incredible. Don't 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 don't. Right. That's been played a, over a million times. Wow. So when yeah. people hear it, it's a familiarity that comes around, you know, psychologically. Right. And you don't know where it's coming from. You say, "Oh, I like that." Right. But you don't know why you like it. Right. You like it because you heard it before. <laughs> Your subconscious don't, <laughs> just don't know. Yeah, you got to. I think people need to really learn their history. You got to learn. First of all, if you're in the music business, um, Jonathan Williams, uh, incredible basis for um, for the the magical Sugar Hill and and all platinum records. And then we had, um, you know, Clarence Alonzo Oliver, great drummer, was on the show. Um, he another one. He knew his history, you know, and you have to know your music. You have to know your history in order to tackle a song you know you can't claim somebody else's music and say hey i wrote this song or somebody you know a song came out it was released 30 40 50 years ago and now you're going to try and sample it and chop it up and pretend like nobody's going to hear it that's that's not the way it works right the 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 soul of that song is going to shine through right right because that's that's what made you pick it absolutely absolutely yeah so when you put it in your song it's going to still shine too. That's right. Because it's that good. It was already a hit. It's been established. The chords. Already. The chords were crazy. The chords. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. So that, that's what makes people say, oh, I like it. Right. But they don't. I said, you ain't heard that song before? I said, no, I ain't never heard it before. <laughs> I said, you have heard it before. You just right. don't know it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that was already a hit. Right. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. So. Yeah. But I, no, I, I still have to give them credit for being creative enough to to rap to it. Yeah, absolutely. To, to put to make a new uh, uh, entity out of it. Right. You know, my nick my nickname for it is what's it's that? Called, 
is re-rap. <laughs> you said re-rap. <laughs> it's re-rap. <laughs> they took a hit song and they put it in here and they re-rapped it up and sold it back to I like you. that. I like that so re-rap. Twice. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so now that publishing, the the person obviously um the Robinson uh um yeah, the Robinson family, they own that song, that publishing. So there's right. going to be someone else coming out five, 10, 15 years. They want to publish, they want to copyright or not copyright, but they want to use another Sugar Hill record, say like Rapper's Delight or, you know, White Line or whatever. And as long as the Robinson family owns that publishing, they can control mm-hmm. the sale of that music. Right. But the one, one thing about that is they don't own their publishing on Rapper's Delight. Right. That's right. Because that is, um, uh, now Rogers controlled by Now Rogers. That's right. Bernard Edwards. That's right. That's right. That was a deal that Mr. Robinson worked out with, with those two guys. Was right. Industry. Um, I don't think too many people know about that deal, mm-hmm. but yeah. I don't know if I can speak about that deal. Ah, let him go. <laughs> look, look, we'll let him Google it. I, look, I'm aware of it. Yeah. I'm aware of it, but we'll let him Google it. <laughs> yeah, that was a that was a stroke of genius by Mr. Robinson to do. Yes. To, you know, to his way through that deal. Yes, it was. Come out on top. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> they Incredible. did really well. Yes, they did. Well, yes, they did. Well off that amazing, song. amazing, amazing. Still man. doing well off that song. After all these years. After all yeah. these years. Wow. Wow. So, man, I got to ask you this question, right? Sure. Um, two questions I got to ask you before we go. First question I want to ask you is what do you tell a young person? that is trying to get into the music business, into the engineering business, into the songwriting business, any any part of that business, right? What would you tell them? They say, hey, Mr. Jonathan, you know, I want to be a songwriter. I want to be a bass player. What do you tell them? Mm-hmm. Well, they, they, I've been asked all those questions they, they, by the younger generation guys who mm-hmm. want to get into it. Okay. And I tell them, first of all, you have to learn your craft. Right. Learn what you want to do and learn all about it. Right. If you want to be an uh, engineer, because I'm also an engineer, too. I've been in engineering over 20, 30 years myself. Wow. Yeah. And the, old, the thing about being an engineer is you really can't consider yourself a real engineer until you've been engineering for seven years. Got it. It takes that long for you to know enough to call yourself an engineer. Mm-hmm. So I'm saying you have to apply that same kind of logic to whatever you want to do. You want to be a a singer, right? You gotta. You can't call yourself a singer unless you've been singing successfully for seven years, right? It's the same with business. I mean, if you use that you know, as an example, I mean, like you have to really learn and be like really dedicated to what you want to do, right? Like everybody can't make that decision. That's true. So it's not. It's not for everybody. No, nah, you got to be a student of the game. Got to be a student yeah, of the game. You say you want to be in the music business. And right. Just one day. And then next day you say, well, I want to sell newspapers. Right. You, <laughs> that logic's not going to work. Right. <laughs> it's philosophy. It's got to be a philosophical decision that you choose it to make. It becomes a part of your life. <laughs> exactly. Like, like, those, like those rappers, like, like Melly Mel. Right. Those guys, they live and, and eat rap. Right. That's what they do. So you want a rapper, you call Mel the Mel. I called him before to come and do a session for me to, to rap on a song. Right. 
Bell comes over and he's so well with his craft and right. he knows what he's been doing. He sits down and listens to the music and writes the rap right there and goes right in the studio and performs it wow. within half hour, 45 minutes. Wow. I mean, right on the spot. Yeah. And, and be, it, it sounds like like the, the message. Okay. And it'd be like, it'd be serious lyrics. Right. Because that's what he does. Sure, sure. Or you get a singer like um, like a Billy Brown or Harry Ray. Right. And you got a song that those guys, Billy Brown is, I consider, one of the top male singers. I mean, R&B. Right. I, I give him, because he's really, like, unappreciated, uh, I think. Okay. Because to be a singer of his quality, if you, if you really listen to Billy Brown, Billy Brown sings today like he sung 30 years ago. That's right. <laughs> and you can't do that unless <laughs> no. you were dedicated 30 years ago. That's right. And you got to take <laughs> care of that voice you if you're singing. You got to take care of that voice. Exactly. And, and you have to be really serious about it. it. It's about anything that you do. Right. right. When I decided I want to be an engineer, I, I studied engineering. Right. I met different engineers. I talked to them. I sat down and watched them. Mm-hmm. And I read the books. And I learned all about engineering from engineering one-on-one to the type of waves to the type of EQ, the type of compressors, compressions. Uh, the, I learned everything that you can learn about um, engineering right. and Pro Tools. I've been working Pro Tools since it was Pro Tools 3.3. Wow. Now, wow. now I'm at Pro Tools 12. Wow. You know what I'm using so, right now? It's funny you bring up Pro Tools. I'm using Luna. Luna is part of... Uh, um, I have this um, audio interface called the Universal Audio. Um, what is it? Right. Universal. I it, yeah, I have the Universal Audio. I know, I know exactly. What it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they have a, a software. The software their their um, their door digital audio workstation is called Luna, and Luna looks just like, and it's just as powerful as as um, Pro Tools. But we'll talk about that another time. That's that's. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 it's, yeah. It's pretty yeah. cool. It's deep. It's deep. Yeah. That's that's my feel. Yeah. Love it. I love know. It. I know all about that. I'm teaching guys about that. And just and just, you know you're gonna you're gonna appreciate this because you're an engineer. I just picked up a Neumann. Yeah. 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 Oh, uh, the U87? No, no, no. TLM103. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that's a good mic. I can throw that in the bag and keep it running. U87, you got to leave that home. You can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. U87 yeah. is three grand, man. You spend that kind of money. That mic doesn't go, it, it, it does not leave the house. But yeah, the 103 is just as good. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's an excellent mic. There's yeah. good frequency response on that mic. Yeah. yeah. I have a, an arsenal of mics that I just keep at home in my closet. I don't even bring out. Okay. Yeah. And but I have I have a Norman. That's why I use it in the studio. I use it uh, eighty seven in, in the studio. Yeah, eighty seven is nice. That's a staple. Yeah, that's it. Is what and was the other one? It's it's two mics. that's like the staple that if any engine if you talk to you go to any studio, right? And if the engineer doesn't have either a U eighty seven or a AKG four fourteen, right? <laughs> if they don't right. have neither one of those mics, right? I'm questioning about that engineer. That's right. That's right. <laughs> So you have a four fourteen right. at least, right? Man, but you know they change. They change that four fourteen. Um, I think it was the capsule. Yeah. Now it's the four fourteen too. And I, from what I understand, it sounds different than the original four fourteen. Yeah, it is different. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You, you, it's like you can't you can't uh, improve on it. Something that's already like right. perfection. Right. That's like the, that's like the old microphone, the Shure fifty eight microphone. You can't improve on that. That's right. That's right. That that that's a a, a nine nine dollar microphone right. that you can plug in anywhere 
and you get a good re- response to it. That's right. Madison Square Garden, Radio City, don't matter where you are. That That's what they use. That's, that's <laughs> that 58 is right there. Wow. Incredible. Yeah, so so when you try to improve on that, the same thing as trying to improve on that four fourteen. Yeah, yeah. You're not gonna you're gonna get a different sound, but it's not gonna be the four fourteen. That's sound. right. That's right. Wow. That mic has its own tech, you know, technical sound to it that it, it makes. Right. And you can use it on certain things, and you know what it's gonna sound like. Exactly. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Now I got one more question for you. Oh, this sure. is the biggie. The biggie. You ready for the drum roll? I should pull out a drum roll. Okay. What I want to know is what's next for Jonathan Williams. Well, what's next for me is uh, I'm working on projects that I'm I'm putting out my own music, which I've been doing since 2017. Nice. I have a jazz album that I put out that was released on the Universal um, on 2017. I think it was 2017, and then 2000. 19, I put out a single, okay. which is called Your Place or Mine, and I actually had Clarence Oliver sing the lead on it. Uh-oh. Yeah, so I, I did all the music, I did all the production, I did all the recording, and Clarence yes. came in and sung the lead on it because I wanted his voice. Right. I thought his voice fit the song, and it did. See, when I, get, when I get older, man, I want to be like you and Clarence, man. I'm trying to get myself together. I got I to gotta polish myself oh, up man. a little bit. <laughs> oh, oh. Well... He's a good guy though. He's sing, a really good guy. But I can tell by your voice you can sing. I can tell. I do a little bit, you know. You know. Well, I can, we'll, we'll, I can tell. When I come to Jersey, I'll, I'll I'll bring you some stuff you can check out. I'm working on some stuff myself. Yeah. See, my ear is is tuned, so I can listen to people talk ah. before I even before I even let them go in behind the mic. Right, right. When they come in the studio. I set them down beside me. I said, then I talk to them, so I can see what kind of voice they have. Right. And I can tell by their voice if they can sing or not. Okay, because a certain singer has a certain tone and the way they pronounce words right. that a non-singer doesn't do. Now I got one, one one more question for you. Now we're talking about microphones. I get excited when I talk about microphones. What so, is my feel? Um, when you sit down with an artist, right? What microphone would you say, um, Al Goodman? What microphone would oh. you say he would you put him on a U87 or would, would you put him on an AKG 414? And by the way, folks, oh. the U87 oh. is a Neumann microphone, it's a German microphone. But go ahead, yes, it is definitely U87 for Al Goodman. Gotcha, because okay. you want that residency that comes from his voice, right? Those frequencies that come from a, a bass voice is not the same on a, a 414, right? Or or a, a Tascam or even the um. One other mic that I really like is the Shure SM-SB. SM-7B? SM-7B. Right. Well, you know, the original SM-7, uh, Michael Jackson, or what's his name? Bruce Wedeen, which was Michael Jackson's right. engineer, he yeah, used the Shure. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's in, he was a beast, man. He used the Shure SM-7 mm-hmm. on um, Billy Jean. So everybody tried to recreate. I think I heard that. Yeah, yeah, and he said this out of his own mouth. And he said, "So everybody tried to incorporate the SM7B into their mic arsenal, but the mm-hmm. SM7B, kind of like the AKG414, is completely different than the, the original SM7. Right. Totally different. So like the, the Neumann yeah. TLM103 is more affordable than the, the U87. The Neumann U87, you're gonna shell out what, but thirty eight hundred, four grand, something like that." 
Yeah, it's thirty-seven ninety. Yeah, yeah. So, and with the TLM one hundred and three, for me, I'm good because it's, guess what? I can run. I can throw it in my bag and keep it moving. You know, so yeah. yeah. See, the, well, the trick to that mic is you mm-hmm. need a good mic pre. Right, right. And that's, I have the UA. That's the thing with I got that. the Universal Audio. Yeah, I have yeah. the Apollo Twin. That's what it is. The Apollo Twin Mark II. That's what I have. Okay. Yeah. Because I, I use the um, LA um, six ten. Universal yes. Audio LA610. Yes, yes. That's the one I use because it it has that old, you know, sound, tube sound to it. Right. And so but you, you know what's so cool? Up. You know what's so cool about the Universal Audio uh mic pre that I have? They have these plugins, right? So you can have mm-hmm. um I have the SSL 9000. Oh yeah. As a plugin, I have I have this the UA UA610 um Mm-hmm. I have the I think I forget the six twenty six thirty. It's a bunch of them I have. I also have the um, the Mike Pre. Um, what's the Mike Pre? Oh my God, it's silver. I can't think of it right now. Uh, Seven thirty seven. Oh, um, that's the. Uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. I know, what, I know what it is too. <laughs> Avalon. That's it. It just. It just. It just. This is love. We had. A, right. I had a senior moment. Sorry about that. So. <laughs> I think I got a few more years on you. So, right, right. But the right. Avalon, the Avalon for people that are into gear, the Avalon seven thirty seven. Right, right. Back in the days, it was like four grand. So now yeah. you cough up a couple of hundred. You download the software, and it's the yeah, it's, identical thing, man. It's mind blowing. So with with very that and close, very close. yeah, yeah. So with that and TLM, I'm good. You know. Yeah, yeah. You you, you can do it because you have to remember that mm. a lot of the. the in recording, it's not a, a lot of times you don't have to have the top gear. Right. If you have the top ear. Right. Right. So it, it's really in the person's ear. Right. Exactly. Like I, I tell these these young kids, the guy said, "Did you hear this new reverb?" I, I said, "What is it?" <laughs> I said, "Let me check it out." I right. go check it. I said, "No, that's the same thing you right. already have. It's just in a new package." But you know who did? <laughs> you know you're right. But you know who didn't use a lot of reverb was Bruce Wayne. All yeah. of Michael Jackson's records, he didn't use a lot of that reverb. He said, no. He said, I didn't do it. No. Wow. Because he has the ear. He, right. knows, how to, he knows how to put the, the sound right. in the mix, where it's, you know, I position the sound. That's all in mixing. Right. He's a great mix, mixing engineer. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I listened and studied everything he did, all the way back from the stuff that he did with the Shylights. I bet you know he did that stuff. Absolutely. Too. I sure did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he's been yeah, with Quincy for a long stuff. time. He's been with Quincy a long, I mean, phew, yeah, long time. he moved from Chicago and went out to LA, worked with Quincy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he has a long history, man. And yeah, the stuff he used to do, I was, I was like, so who mixed that stuff? And I found out it was the same guy. Said, yeah, wow. yeah, that's Bruce Wayne did, did that's that too. Yeah, he was oh, off no the wall. Wonder. He mixed off the wall. He mixed Thriller. He mixed um, yeah. Dangerous. Uh, yeah, all that stuff, man. Uh, Patty Austin and, and um. And oh, James yeah. Ingram just once, yeah. Um, I love all that stuff. No, how do you keep the music playing? All that stuff. He, yeah. he mixed all that stuff. Yeah, incredible. Yeah, right. But this is how you know, like young people need to know. I mean, like you said, learn learn your craft and and know the names yeah. and know what to because you don't have to spend a fortune on no. certain things. Like I I play keys, so I like I just ordered a uh, core Cronus, right? Oh, and, that's a great keyboard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yes. I write, I write, and I play, and you know. Sometimes mm-hmm. I I have a MIDI keyboard as well, but I like to play. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be connected to a computer twenty four hours a day when I'm working on something. Yeah, you know, I want to wake keyboards. up, turn the button on, and if it's on, I want to I want to play it. And if I want to record it into that keyboard, I can do that. And if I want to play it into my uh, mm-hmm. Mac, 
I can do that as well. But and you know, what 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 dots are you using on your Mac though? Using your what, dog? What, what, yeah, yeah, what is that? The digital audio workstation I'm using is called Luna. Um, I Luna. like, yeah, Luna is a is a new uh, door by Universal Audio, and Luna is yeah. is a beast. It's just like it's like if when I see you, I'll show you. It looks like um, Pro Tools, but you can yeah. pull in these plugins, which I'm telling you, man, this the stuff that I've done is mind blowing, mind blowing. And and I'm I'm right here in the house. It, it sounds just like a record. Wait to hear it. You'll see. Yeah, I love to hear it. Yeah. I'm getting ready to put a new record now that I've been working on mm-hmm. with Clarence. Uh, he's he's like my ears outside right. the studio. <laughs> right, right. Because everything I do, I send it to him. I said, what do you think about this one, Clarence? Okay. He said, well, that one, yeah, you need a harder snare. Okay. Don't you <laughs> love it? <laughs> I put a snare. He said, yeah, that's it. That's yeah, it. yeah. That's cool. Yeah. But I, what I'm going to be doing is releasing some. I got a bunch of projects I'm doing right now. We'll, we'll talk about that offline because I'm not really ready to release that stuff yet. But um, the stuff that I am working on is a, is a big NFT project. And the NFT stands for non-fungible tokens. So the stuff that I'm working on, I'm working on three different um, artists at the same time. So there's like a, there are three diff- there's two groups and there's one particular artist. And that stuff is going to be released Underneath my label, underneath my sound. So you'll you'll see, you'll see. Oh yeah, I'd like to hear that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, really, really interesting stuff. Really, I mean, I'm talking about ballads, up up tempo songs, and yeah, you'll see. So I actually have my own record company now too. Okay, my own publishing company. Well, what's the name of your label, man? We got to put that out there. Oh, my name, my label is Rojan Records. Okay. And my publishing is Johnny Roll Publishing. Gotcha. And the last song that I put out was called You Are My Dream Girl. Okay. And I, I put that out under my label. Gotcha. It's an original song written by myself, Clarence, and Walter Morris. Okay. From a group of songs that we did years ago. Okay. And I just revamped it. I thought it was a great song. Okay. So You Are My Dream Girl. So I I recorded that whole song. Right here in in the studio in, in New Jersey. At Sugar Hill Records. Wow. But doesn't it feel yeah. good when you own your own music and you own your own sound and you own your yeah. own destiny. That's the key, man. When you, when you yeah, release the music now, I don't have to sit down and answer to nobody about well, why are you not recording tonight? Why are you not recording tomorrow? Because yeah, the way, exactly. the way that I record, I'll do mm-hmm. sometimes it's three or four songs, three or four ideas at the same time. And I'll drop yeah. the ideas down and then I'll come back to them. Well, and in some songs, if they're like ballads, I can knock a ballad. I've, I've written ballads 15 minutes, 10 minutes. Yeah. Sometimes they come to you like yeah 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 mm-hmm. yeah. I did a song for Mariah Carey and um, it was it took me maybe forty five minutes. So oh, was done. Wow, yeah. yeah yeah wow yeah that's amazing yeah yeah it, it, it comes to you like that. Hey man, we, you know yeah, somebody, Al Goodman used to write songs like that. Right right. He just when it comes it comes the song. and then sometimes yeah. now don't get me wrong. There's sometimes you're like man, I gotta get a song man, but. If you just let it come to you, to come to you. But I have a, you know, it comes to me in different ways. But I, I record like that's that's the way my method of recording and it works. So yeah, yeah. But we gotta hook up, man. We gotta. Um, oh, when I get to man. Jersey, I gotta Talk I gotta get up there. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I know a little bit. I know a little bit. You know. You know. You know what I'm most proud of. What's in that? My career. What's that? All the songs that I played on, I did. I played on records that made a lot of money, went gold, and all that. Sure. But one thing that makes me proud of mm-hmm. is I engineered the um, the song, one song 
on Tyrese Gibson's first album. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. His his debut album called Tyrese Gibson. That album went platinum. Nice. And I was able to record him and engineer the whole thing and mixed it. And they put that, that song made the album. Nice. And I got a, a platinum uh, um, album for that. Nice. I'm nice. most proud of that as the engineering part. Sure, sure. <laughs> but that's what I love. <laughs> right, right. That's your More passion. More than other stuff. Like the hit songs we played on Shame, 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 big record. Oh, yeah. That's right. You did play on Shame, Shame, Shame. Okay. All right. Yeah. But I said, yeah, this one here, that Tyrese Gibson, his first album. Engineered on that one, <laughs> right? That's good. That's good. And, and every time you turn around, you look up at that plaque and you go, "Okay, All right. yeah, I am an engineer. I'm yeah, an engineer. I can say I'm an engineer now. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and it's look, look, it, look, look, it's legit. <laughs> yeah, it's legit now. When I look at that, I say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I'm an engineer. That's right. I can call myself an engineer. That's right. Well, listen, man, you put your time in, and um, you know, you only getting out. You get back what you put out, which is a lot of good things, you know. And and I yeah, thank you, man. I true. thank you for um for being here and thank you for sharing your stories. And when oh, you put man, some you gotta do me a favor though, man. When you when you put some more music out, oh we gotta have a session. You know what I think we should do? We should talk about the next time I we, we have a because I'd love to have you come back. Um oh, we should do a session, uh, a podcast about engineering and you can really go That's deep into yeah, I think that'll be really cool because a lot of people that really, really be yeah, a lot of people that really don't understand engineering can really hear it from the master. Because I know you've been doing your thing, man. This has been going on a long time. Yeah, I, I, I can give a lot of tips where even those guys on I see is on YouTube. A lot of people on on YouTube talk about engineering stuff, right? But they they leave out certain little things that I'm saying. Mm, I ain't saying about that. Right, right. You, you skip over stuff. <laughs> no, right, right, right. Hmm. Crazy. Uh, Crazy. I, I would explain that a little bit better, more in detail, because engineering is, is a science. Yes, yes. It, yes. It's, it's more, it, you just can't sit behind a board and just push up the faders and right. say, okay, I'm an engineer. engineer more than you that. know what's so funny? Engineering <laughs> is a science, and musicianship is mathematics. And people right. don't even understand it. It's all about geometry. Everything is geometrical. Yeah, so you exactly, figure, yeah. I want to go with my chords. I want to change my chords. I want to spread my hands. However you're going to do it. That's mm -hmm. mathematics is involved with music. Counting. Oh, you definitely. have to count. The counting, yeah. Right, right. So, yeah. But they don't. A lot of people you don't know that. Four beats. Right. You got. You can have a four beats in a measure. So That's right. That's what right. you put in that, in that measure. That's right. <laughs> to make that measure stand out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So everything you play. That's why we were in the studio. Everything you play. You got to play like you mean it. Right, right. You got to play with conviction. Mr. Lowe used to rehearse us. Mm -hmm. and he said, okay, we learned it. Running. He said, okay, he said, now we're going to play it. And we, wow. we look at him and said, what? I thought we just played it. No, y'all rehearsed it. Now wow. we're going to play it. Right, right. And but that's the real deal. figure out what he was talking about. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, that's the real deal. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so Wait. when that red light goes on, right. you got to play. Wow. Wow, it's, you, it's not no, it's no rehearsal then because that red light is going around, right? And that tape is spinning, and that tape cost uh, uh, two, three hundred dollars a, a, a roll, right? And that was back so, then, exactly. That was back then, yeah. Right, right. They might have been two hundred dollars, one hundred fifty dollars a roll. Okay, yeah. So that's that's money, right? Sure, sure. So uh, there's no time. You you got to play now, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, man, you got to come back. Um, I like to thank you for being here. Um, we'll we'll talk offline and 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 we'll schedule some time. You know, because I know you're a busy man. I'm glad you squeezed me in. You you know what I mean. 
Oh man, my pleasure to talk to you. Man. He's like so so much of a pleasure to talk to, man, because you're very knowledgeable. And, Thank you. And it's, it's it's a pleasure talking to you. Likewise, likewise, likewise. But we definitely gonna hook up and um. We'll we'll record. Uh, I will definitely have you on, and we definitely it'll be like an engineering section. And I, I don't think I've ever done an engineering session on this podcast, so I think that'll be yeah. Good. We could do that. Yeah, I, I, I should set up somewhere you could see me in the studio, and I could show you stuff on the screen as I'm doing it. But we can make that happen. That's that's not a problem. And explain things like how to use a reverb, right? When to use your EQ, how much I know. How should you uh, compress this? Should you use this? Should you use a parallel compression here? Oh, right. Why do you use parallel compression? Right. What does that do? <laughs> <laughs> you, but you know what we'll do? Reverbs are using. We'll do. We'll do an audio that we can put on the podcast, and then we'll do a video that we can put on YouTube because we also right. have a YouTube channel, so we can we can do both. How's that? Oh man, that sounds great, man! I right. love to do that. All right, man. Well, thank you, my brother. I appreciate you for being here, Mister Jonathan Williams, the the engineer musician for Sugar Hill Records. Um, all platinum records and worked with the great Clarence Alonzo Oliver, you know, from the rim shots. And I, and I thank shots. you, my brother. Yeah. And, and please come back and I'll, I'll love to have you. I sure will, man. Uh, all right. Talking to you. Okay, man. Hold all on right. one second. Okay. Okay. All right. Sing another song about leaving. 